Contact with Yates. Gets past Dixon. Gets to the 50. He's running down the sideline. And's tackled from behind. Addison brings him down. But Jordan Norwood in traffic somehow got away from the Panthers. I think the Panthers thought it was a fair catch and they're trying to hold up. You saw Jones with a little contact with Norwood. You're right, they had to have thought it was a fair catch signal, which we never saw. And down the sideline he goes. 61 yard return. That or they worry you, about did, interference. Did bring like visuals but back to you, Jordan? Like when you, when you hear that, do you, does it kind of take you back to that play and, and how that was, uh, how that happened? Yeah, it, it does. But like, just as you say that, I'm realizing that my visuals still, it's still like the TV copy that I'm not like through my helmet, me and video. Okay. So maybe because I've seen the TV copy so much. <laughs> right, right. That, that, that voice you're hearing right there is a uh, eight-year NFL pro, former Denver Bronco wide receiver, kick returner, and Super Bowl record holder, Jordan Norwood. Jordan, thanks for joining us here on the Fan Cave. We really do appreciate it. We're in segment two right now. Going to talk to you. Appreciate you coming over here, checking out some of the cars. I saw you doing a little bit of that. You had a favorite, right? Yeah, I'll try, I'll try not to leave with it. My wife would be mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, having the experiences that you've had and just that clip right there, to me, it, it, I'm always curious about how former players, when you hear that, if it's a – and you – you personified it perfectly because from a visualization standpoint, I'm like, is this first person like when you're playing, you know, Madden and you're seeing it through the helmet or how do you see it, Jordan? And you, you, you describe that perfectly. So I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I think now I'm going to try to visualize it through the helmet again because I missed that, but uh, no problem. What was kind of going through your head during that run? I know we talked about it on uh, our one-on-one -on -one interview through Lambo Media, but I want to you know, give the Mile High Sports audience a little perspective as well. What was going through your head as you were you know, going through you know, that punt return and then directly after that punt, you know, did you realize that you had broke the record? Uh, no, I didn't to the second part of your question there. I, didn't, I definitely didn't realize I had broken any I would record. add this to the question, Jordan, real quick. What about when you were standing there before you caught the punt. Right. That's probably the, <laughs> the real question, right? Um, no, I mean, it was just kind of uh, one of those things that, you know, just happened by happenstance. I wasn't even necessarily supposed to be back there. I wasn't the starting punt returner for the game. Manuel Sanders was. Um, the story kind of goes, you know, I mean, sometimes guys don't feel like going back there when they have a, a big drive ahead of them uh, on offense, that is. So, Emmanuel's like, hey, Jordan, you want to grab this one? Uh, I'm like, yeah, sure, of course. Um, you know, you go tell Joe D, the special teams coach, because I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't have the pay grade to go tell the coach that I'm in the game now. Um, so Emmanuel went and said, hey, uh, Jordan's going to get this one, Joe. And uh, so I hop back there. Uh, it's a it's a punt block, so I'm I'm probably going to fair catch it. Right. Um, and I know that as I line up. But you know, it's the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I, you know, as a, a short kick, I thought I had a little bit more time. And by the time I thought, um, thought about fair catching it, I just didn't have the time to get my hand up and back down. So I was like, I'll just roll with it and see what I can do. Absolutely. Well, that happened in the incredible 2015, 2016 season. You guys obviously went on to win Super Bowl 50, um, an incredible team. We'll get into that a little bit later, but I want to turn back time a little bit, talk to you a little bit about your childhood, give the audience a little you know, more background on who you are, how you grew up. Talk to me a little bit about being born in Hawaii 
and you know what it kind of means to you even to this day to represent Hawaii in the NFL and at such a high level. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, born in Hawaii. My dad is um, a college football coach right now. He's coached since I was born. He played at University of Hawaii, uh, then pretty much got right into coaching um, all over the place. I lived in maybe eight places before I graduated. It's like the military, right? Pretty much. Coaches are like military guys. They're like pretty two much. years, you move. Two years, you move. Exactly. You know, I was, go Rainbows, by the way. A- absolutely. Rainbow and they've been Warriors. to Fort Collins because they played the CSU Rams. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. How was Hawaii football? Was it was it was it big at all? You know, while you were down in Hawaii, or so. Yes and no. Well, first first of all, I was born there, um, and like I said, bounced around growing up. So I left when I was six years old. Um, but my mom is born and raised Hawaii, so still had a lot of family there, and I would go back quite a bit. Um, but as you, as you guys probably know, I mean, is there, is there more guys from Hawaii in the NFL than any like state, like per population? I don't know what it is. Um, per population, per population I would say probably, maybe, yeah. I mean, obviously Florida and California is probably, but per population, maybe, I mean, I mean, the whole Polynesian culture, yeah. the, the family Ohana culture of Hawaii is, is awesome. And um, you know, that along with kind of my Filipino heritage is, has been pretty cool seeing how they kind of jumped on, um, especially during that Super Bowl run. Jordan, I would imagine you got to play some, with some pretty talented quarterbacks in Hawaii because uh, I think that there's been some pretty talented quarterbacks that have come out of the state of Hawaii, I- including most recently. You got guys like Mackenzie Milton. You've got guys like Dylan Gabriel mm-hmm. um, who are playing over a- in Florida right now. But, uh, you know, did you have a chance to play with some of these guys that, uh, that played for the Rainbows? Uh, I wish. And I, I, I honestly, I almost went and um, actually just finished talking to a, a friend of mine, Devon Best, uh, who played for uh, University of Hawaii. And um, I almost transferred out there um, midway through my time at Penn State. But um, but no, yeah, I wish I wish I could have played for some of those guys and with some of those guys. How do you initially get into the game of football? Was it, you know, was your dad the biggest influence into you initially getting into the game while you were younger? Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely... He never really pushed me. Actually, he wanted me to play. I played a year of soccer um, when I was, I was, I must have been 10 or 11 at that point. And I guess I killed it because he, he wanted me to keep playing soccer. He didn't want me to do anything else. He was like, you need to keep playing soccer. Um, no, he didn't say that because he kind of let me do my own thing. But, um, but yeah, I just decided to keep playing football. And um, it's one of those things that you don't realize the influence until you look back and realize Oh yeah, other kids aren't like grading tape with their dad on road trips and like drawing up plays. I mean, doing all that type of stuff with a with a dad that's a college football coach. Hey, can what made you pick wide receiver, slot back? I mean, what drew you to that? I mean, and the Colorado Rapids are here. You think you got some soccer in you? you I don't have any make, left. You got any? You got any in the tank? It's just my ham, my hamstrings. Okay. They can't, okay. No. <laughs> There's nothing. But there. but I think, what what made you pick wide receiver though? What what was it? I think genetics probably. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it, it's was mostly it? that there wasn't. I mean, at my size and yeah. weight and speed, it it was right. it was slot right wide receiver or or a slot or third cornerback really mm-hmm. uh, slot cornerback, and I could catch the ball a little bit too well. You get space, nor yeah. you gone. He gone. <laughs> you get space, right? I mean, it's. That's how it is, you yeah. know, and as as a football coach and, and you see size, it's like you were talking about a great story from your high school days. You're like, 
I was 148 pounds. Yeah. Tell that story about how you got to Penn State and yeah, how that happened. Sure. Yeah. So my, my dad was at that time um, on the coaching staff at Penn State. This is uh, 2001 to 2003, four. Uh, while I was in high school, they are right, right there in State College, Pennsylvania. And yeah, I wasn't highly recruited. I was more of a basketball player. Uh, we won the state championship in basketball and um, everybody kind of thought of me as a basketball player. But uh, Joe Paterno at the time took a chance on me. My dad stayed out of the recruiting process. And um, yeah, really, I mean, really, it came down to Joe. Um, half of the coaching staff didn't even uh, necessarily think I deserved a scholarship. And um, I probably didn't. But uh, Joe believed in me in that in that meant a ton. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, ended up uh, gray shirting and going to Penn State and uh, playing all four years there. Seeing what happened to to Coach Paterno, I, I, not to, I don't want to make it a negative thing or anything, but you played for for the man. Uh, you were there. You're part of the program, and uh, you know I, I feel like it's a relevant question to ask. Um, you know how how was it seeing kind of how how the end kind of turned out, and you knowing Coach Joe as Joe Pop as Joe Pop. You know what I mean? Whereas right. the media oh, yeah. had their spin and had their agenda. In my opinion, uh, talk to me a little bit about that, Jordan. Yeah, I mean, it's it's terrible the way it happened. I mean, there's no, I don't think there's much of a positive spin that I, I've been able to put on it in my head, honestly. Um, and, you know, I mean, and, and there's even, there's even a layer deeper to that there with my dad being on the coaching staff and, um, you know, having personal relationships with Joe and Sue, his wife, and, and Jay, his son. And um, so, so there's a lot aside from football, a lot aside from news and media, um, there's personal relationships that are going on that um, that were pretty tough and, and still are kind of tough to uh, wrap my head around. State College, known for the whiteout. Yeah, <laughs> best best tradition in college football, right? How, talk to me a little bit about that. How was it walking in and seeing that for the very first time? Yeah, I have chills. I have chills right now. Anybody else? No. <laughs> well, you got an instant <laughs> smile yep. as soon as I said that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's nothing like it. I mean. Sure, maybe there now there is things like it, but um, at the time, I mean, rolling into Beaver Stadium, 110,000, um, 45, 50,000 of those being students, um, you know, just going crazy. Uh, I mean, there's 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 not much like it. You were you were originally you know planning on going to college for basketball and football, correct? Yes. And then you transitioned into, you know, committing to Penn State for football and going on to play at Penn State for solely football. What made you change your decision from, you know, originally wanting to play at the college level as a two sport athlete into playing at a power five school like Penn State for solely football? Yeah, right. Uh, So I came out of college like I mean, came out of high school, like I said, uh, very light Um, Mm -hmm. and more of a basketball player. So I was going to go to Bucknell and play both. and then there was at the time a coach on the Penn State staff named Kenny Carter, um, who pulled me aside one day after it was after like a seven on seven in the summer. Um, again, 148 pounds, soaking wet, five nine, 148 pounds, mm-hmm. not even that fast, a four or five guy. And he pulled me aside and he said, "Hey, look, you can play at this level. So don't you don't forget that you can you can play football at the vi- Division One level." And um, you know that kind of did it for me because I wasn't sure. Um, I wasn't sure I could do that. So um, Kenny Carter, he's, he's the guy that uh, really gave me a lot of confidence there. Truly got One quick question story. for you before we go to break. Who who did you take your hardest hit from? 
Oh, man. Whether it was in college or pros, I always ask, um, you know, athletes that come in, I'm just curious because you, you always have that memory. Maybe, unless yeah. it was too hard. <laughs> you, really, you really want to remember that? Right. <laughs> I don't mind remembering it, but my mom doesn't want to remember it. Um, there's a hit in the Rose Bowl, uh, 2009, Taylor Mays. Mm-hmm. Um, just caught me. Wow. Yeah, little, you got a penalty head to head, just like. Get that bell rung a little bit? Oh, yeah, <laughs> it was it was rung, probably still ringing. Um, but, you know, back, I mean, 2009, they were, hey, look at me, look at, look at my fingers. Okay, you're good to go back in. Yeah. So sure. I went back in the game, even though I couldn't walk off the field myself. <laughs> um, and uh, ended up scoring a touchdown. And um, So, yeah, that's, that's, the, wow. that's probably the hit right there. Well, speaking That's of hits, we've got, yeah. uh, we've got a great hit with us right now. Jordan Norwood, former Denver Bronco, Super Bowl 50 champion and record holder. Going to talk a little bit more about the Broncos, I think, and, and talk some draft and talk about your experience in that 15 season, which was a pretty, um, if you want to call it a roller coaster ride, I think it, it was with a, with a lot of the changes there, especially at the QB position. Um, but Jordan, thank you for joining us. You guys, Denver, stick around. We've got another couple of segments of Jordan Norwood. It's the, fi- it's the fan cave right here on MyHighSports.com. Tune in and tune in. Welcome back to the Fan Cave. We are the Fan Cave presented by our North Denver's number one sports bar and grill, 3070, home of the best happy hour, daily from 9 to 11, 3 to 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. You can play virtual golf, pool, darts, cornhole, and, of course, watch all Denver major sports teams without having to ask for the TV to be changed. All at 3070 Sports Bar and Grill, located a half mile west of Huron in Westminster off 120th. So, you're listening to us on 98.1107.5 HD3 Mile High Sports Radio. We're talking with former Denver Bronco. Ryan, you look like you want to say something. You know, I'm just, I, this last segment, I just sat, sat back and you were just so chill, man. You just compose, poise, everything. We got people over here making faces and hand motions and like coaches going on. And you're, Jordan, you're just, I know what's going on. It's the Hawaii vibe, isn't it? That's what it is, man. It's a Hawaii vibe. <laughs> and then moving to Colorado, and we're chill over here too, right? Exactly, man. <laughs> Just relax. Just relax a little bit. I got one thing for you, man. You played the big game. You played Super Bowl 50. I always said Super Bowl 50 was going to be the most important Super Bowl that we'll remember. You played it with Peyton Manning. How is a sheriff? He's incredible, man. I mean, on- honestly, he... There's a there's a few reasons why. Obviously, the, there's there's the football and the X's and O's and uh, the championships and the goats and all that type of stuff. Um, but just off the field, I mean, I remember a time that he just came in one day and asked me how my little brother's wrist was doing. My little brother was playing at Baylor, and for some reason, he knew that he had sprained his wrist. I don't even think I knew he sprained his wrist yet. <laughs> That's his football acumen. It's the it? little thing, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> right, but just yeah, super personable. Um, easy to talk to. That's why he stayed. He wanted to stay in Colorado and be chill. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, <laughs> man. I mean, playing that's that's the big stage, Super Bowl Fifty, and 
to live those moments. I mean, you were there. That's incredible. Scene number 11 on the field was just... Where's the ring, Jordan? Where, yeah, what do you yeah, do with the it? ring? Uh, it's in my pocket because I never know if I should bring it places. Have you guys seen? Super no, Super we haven't. Do you really have Oh, we got to take a picture of this with the ring. I don't really. Oh, you got it. In oh, yellow's got it. There we go. In studio. I don't really take good care of okay, it. Okay, right now this I can't see. Zip, but. All right, we'll, we'll we'll probably do this on the next segment. <laughs> Elite stuff. <laughs> it like stop. You guys stop break. talking. <laughs> yeah. Jordan Norwood, he's got his Super Bowl ring out right now. Holy moly! It's his. It's gigantic. You're not a small person either. And uh, that ring is looks like it's hard to hold. He's holding beautiful. He's, he's holding the Super Bowl Fifty ring. You know, I'm 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 looking at all of the hosts here, and I, in in my peripheral vision, it's just sparkling in my eyes. But <laughs> Jordan, I want to talk to you a little bit more in depth about that Super Bowl Fifty on the sideline. When you were on the sidelines, what was the energy like? And you know, I'm sure you know the vibes were very high. You guys had to have been you know, very energized and enthusiastic about the game to, you know, put on such a good performance. Talk to me a little bit in depth about the, you know, energy on the sideline throughout the game. Uh, it, it was great. You know, I mean, it's one of those things where the game is starting. They're doing the national anthem. Um, you know, you're just kind of almost blacked out, like, to start. And then, you know, once you get on the field, move around a little bit, it just turns back into a um, a bit of a regular game. But... Um, but yeah, there's there's definitely that moment of butterflies. Yeah, what's yeah, going on? Yeah. I don't remember warm-ups at all. I don't remember what happened. And okay, we're in the game now, finally. You yeah. talked a little bit about how Peyton was um, to, to play with and how focused he was, but at the same time, how he kind of made you feel, you know, asking about your brother's uh, wrist. Um, what about Super Bowl week? Was preparation for that game, preparation those two weeks leading up to uh, the game. I know you've got a lot of distractions when it comes to the media commitments that have to be made when it comes to everybody. Jordan, you got any tickets? You know, things like that. So, but talk to me a little bit about how that was with um, Peyton Manning at the helm, with with the sheriff there and um, having won a Super Bowl already with Indianapolis. How much did that mean to the offense and, and even the whole the whole team as a as a as a whole? Right. I think I think that made a huge difference, honestly. Um, just his leadership and being able to navigate the two weeks, how we should approach it, how our demeanor should be two Sundays before the Super Bowl when we land in um, in San Francisco. And you know, I, I don't know that another team would would have approached it the way we did. We landed in San Francisco and Peyton and the coaching staff was like, let's have a cocktail hour and go out. Huge. And I was like, is that what, is that the way we're, is this how we do it? Okay. Like, <laughs> sure. And no questions asked. Right. I mean, you do what Peyton is, is comfortable doing. Everybody else is comfortable with if doing. Fine. So, well, that <laughs> <guess>. too. Yeah. <laughs> Count on that. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, right. he, he kind of navigated the whole, approach and you know we went out the first night we got there and then it was time to go to work and um it worked out you mentioned that you know during warm-ups and even during you know up to the national anthem anthem and i'm sure even in that first quarter for there there for a little bit it, it was pretty much blackout the adrenaline was rushing how long into the super bowl 50 game did it kind of take you to get settled and get comfortable you know playing on the biggest stage during that time yeah for me i, I think I definitely got comfortable after um, that punt return even. I mean, yeah, touching the ball, like having a, mm -hmm. a, some sort of an impact on the game will, will definitely get your heart rate back down and, so and get it, you in the groove. For us as fans, uh, while I remember the game vividly, there was two moments. It was the strip sack 
with Vaughn on cam, and it was a 61-yard punt return. We're like, where did this come from? And, I mean, just talk about the adrenaline from everybody else watching the game just going crazy when you took off like that because we, we, we saw you swarmed. We just thought you were like, oh, my, you know, right. and then all of a sudden you're out of there. And it was just like, there he goes. And we're like looking, is there a flag? Is there anything? Nope, not at all. So, like, I remember that moment. I, I think I've watched that several times over and over and over. So I can only imagine as a player, like, well, I mean, that, that brings up a good a good point. And just in terms of being a spectator of a, of a team that you love or guys on the field that you love, there's a lot there's a lot of like I, my, my older brother played in the final four. He went he played at George Mason University. They went on this Cinderella run to the final four. And I went to his name. What's his name? Uh, his name's Gabe Norwood. Right on. Um, and I went to his games. I couldn't. Everybody else, everybody's standing up watching the final play. I'm sitting down, like mm-hmm. about to throw up. And that's <laughs> oh, as a spectator. So sure. I mean, it's, there's a different uh, dynamic. I've never felt that way on the field as yeah. a player. Um, never felt that nervous, um, especially during a game. But so it's it's kind of interesting the way yeah. that works. No. So players talk about your moment in time. Was it? slow motion was it a dream like was it like it didn't happen i was floating you know when people are in the zone they talk about or they're in that moment like when they hit a home run they don't feel it they don't feel it on the bat yeah. was that a moment where just yeah 11 seconds whatever it was i would i would say so i mean it's i remember uh, like we were kind of touching on earlier as far as first person perspectives i can if I think about it, I can remember it, and I remember it in slow motion for sure. Um, I remember thinking to myself, you know, let's get to the end zone. Um, I'm only a four five forty, so let's let's get these let's get going. <laughs> let's try to get there. Um, I remember thinking all of those things. And, That's um, awesome. Yeah, it's a good memory to have. Great stories. Great story. Question for you, Jordan. Um, and thanks, by the way, for for bringing the ring, and thanks for for showing us that Super Bowl ring. Uh, and speaking of that ring, how has that ring or, or for you personally, does has it changed your life post NFL career? And I mean, not on the top layer, like the ring itself, but you know what I mean? Like, how does having that and having that Super Bowl record, how has it impacted you since you've retired? Um, it's been cool. I mean, it's been an opportunity to sit down with folks like you guys and, and chop it up and, um, you know, bring up conversations about my past and my family and, and things that I love talking about. Um, yeah, it's it's really open doors to relationships that I don't know if would have happened. Um, not only did I not have this ring, but did I not have that Super Bowl, that punt return also. And, and, and I want to go a little bit further into that because when you talk about athletes, when you talk about the recruitment process, the, uh, the eye test, do they, does he check all the boxes? You know, what I love about your story is you didn't check all the boxes, you know, and you have a ring and, and nobody can take that ring from you. And it's a testament to all these kids listening because Roman and I can attest to it. We have, we have kids that are playing baseball and football. They're not the biggest kids out there, but they have a heart. They have a heart of a lion, you know, and I love that story because I'm going to share this with my son. I'm like, you might not be the biggest kid. You might not be 6'2", 225. You might be 148, soaking wet your senior year, but somebody's going to see you. A scout's going to see you, and it might open a door. And I love that story about you. 
Yeah, I, I appreciate it. And I would I would love to share it with with anybody you want me to share it with, too. When you guys um, came home um, after that Super Bowl, what was the um, was it a feeling a little bit of a feeling of relief, Jordan? Uh, I mean, I don't, not for me. I was just I was just excited. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had just uh, my wife and I had just had our daughter. Um, I remember being on the um, at the Super Bowl parade on the on the fire truck with our daughter on the on the truck too. just, um, you know, having a great time. And um, it was just so cool to uh, obviously win the Super Bowl, but also just be a part of a city and community that was so excited also. A million strong, a million plus that day. It's incredible. Out there yeah, thank God parade. COVID wasn't happening. Sorry, Ryan, I didn't mean to bring it up. <laughs> well, I know we got we can go on and on, man. What a great stories, what a here. great story, man. Yeah, we got to go to break because I want to check out this Super Bowl. Magic run, Wellness and Magic Wellness. We haven't even dug into that. Not even. we still got that. Norwood, are you having a good time? Absolutely. This is good, we'll man. There's some it. good vibes going on right here, man. I think so. More stories. We're going to learn more about Jordan Norwood, more of the experiences with the Broncos. Also talk about his company, him and his wife, uh, Magic Wellness, as well as um, NFL Draft. We'll get a little, a little bit of tidbits from the NFL Draft as well. You guys, right now, that's what the next segment. Right now, we're presented by Drives at Mile High, whether it's exotic, off-road, luxury, sport, experience to drive. Drives at Mile High. We're the Fan Cave, 98.1, 107.5, HD3. It's MileHighSports.com. Welcome back to the Fan Cave. What an episode. Great episode. Speaking of Jordan Norwood, former Denver Bronco, wide receiver, kick returner, punt returner, extraordinaire. Super Bowl 50 record holder, 61 yards. We've got the story behind that. If you missed it, you can catch us on the Mile High Sports Radio app. You can click on the, uh, I believe it's the radio uh, podcast and, and click on there and you'll be able to hear this again. Also, follow us on Twitter. It's at the fan cave co so at the fan cave colorado um and right i'm gonna there, tweet the uh, interview out too tony the interview I'm will be sorry. on twitter at mile high sports on twitter i'm gonna tweet it right out yeah as we'll, soon as we'll, we wrap we'll it up. retweet that for you buddy so that they can they can follow us and then also follow it on uh on the mile high sports go ahead Dan. And, and the link will also be in the bio of the instagram as well at the fan cave co so and it'd also be on uh, Mile High Sports, the the Instagram page as well. But you know, Jordan, we just wrapped up two amazing segments with you, talking to you a little bit about your football career. You know, during this break, we were taking you know some flicks with your amazing Super Bowl Fifty ring, well, very well deserved. But I want to you know talk a little bit to you about what you're doing now. You know, you're you're giving back a ton. You got the Jordan Norwood Classic. You're doing photography, videography, and editing editing as well with your wife Aaliyah. Um, and not only that, but Magic Wellness as well. Let's start it off with the Jordan Norwood Classic because it's coming up here on the 27th of this month. It's through the Denver Dream Center. Start off by talking about, you know, what's pushing you to give back so much. What's kind of you know going through your head to, you know, lead you to having the capability to use your platform to give back to so many? 
Uh, yeah, they, I mean, there's a few reasons for it. Um, the Denver Dream Center itself is a great organization that I've uh, kind of plugged into um, prob- pretty much since I got out here in 2014. I met uh, the executive director there. His name is Brian Cedarwall. Um, and, you know, just fell in love with what they were doing uh, for myself. Um, I'm somebody that grew up all over the place, so I never really had a community that I felt like I could call my own. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like on this, you know, Denver's my community. I want to make it my community. Right. Um, so the Denver Dream Center is a part of um, how I'm doing that. And um, yeah, I, I sit on the board of, of the nonprofit and they came to me and said, hey, can we name the our golf tournament this year, the, the Jordan Orr Classic? And I um, I said, sure. I mean, they noticed that I was addicted to golf this year and um, like a lot of people have been. But um, uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, we have some good uh, athletes coming out to join us and uh, it should be good. Yeah, that's sweet. And, you know, give us a little background on the event and not only that, but, you know, for the audience that's listening right now, how can they help give back? Obviously, you know, here the fan cave will will do something to give back to the Denver Dream Center as well. We'll make a little donation if we can. But how can they give back? Are there any spots open, you know, through that golf tournament? Because I know you posted something, you know, the other day in regards. Yeah, what's to- the when, where, why, how kind of thing? Like. Uh, so the when the logistics are May 27th, uh, Arrowhead Golf Course, uh, $250 per individual um, to golf. There are guys like myself golfing, Emmanuel Sanders, Brock Eisweiler, um, Jerry Stackhouse, Corey McGetty. Jerry Stackhouse. Um, yeah, nice. I mean, you got a couple of Orlando Magic guys right yeah, there. Yeah, there's just there's just people coming out of the nice. woodwork that want to golf at Arrowhead. At Arrowhead, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. And, Do you get? Uh, um, are you pairing up with? Are you doing that kind of thing where you're pairing up with with athlete or maybe somebody from the foundation and things like that? Right. So how it, how it's working is you can bid on athlete bid to play with athletes gotcha. and they're paired. So Emmanuel and Brock Osweiler are paired, and their auction is up to $5,000 right now to play with those two guys. Um, I don't even know if my auction is is live on the site yet, Okay. Um, but it'll start at $500. <laughs> um, so you might get a steal there. But um, so that's that's hey, how it's working. Tony's a real good golfer, so he'll he'll bid on that one. Tony yeah, Tony might give yeah, be a good golfer, but right Tony might be a good golfer. But how, how's your how's, yeah? I was gonna ask how's, how's this, your this golf game. game? Because you, you know you have a you have a golf you have a golf event named after you. How how is your golf game right. looking? It should probably I should, my game should probably be a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of format is is it a scramble or best ball kind of thing? No, yeah, it's it's a scramble. Yeah. Um, I mean typical charity a good format. Time. You can buy mulligans and and all that sort of thing. There'll be a a golf cannon and a hole in one prize nice. and all and all those sorts of things. If too. if there was an athlete that Jordan Norwood could play with and would would uh, you, you 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 didn't worry about the cost to do it. Um, who would that athlete be? Oh man, I mean the first the first person that comes to mind is MJ. Yeah, I would yeah. love to golf with him. Right. I feel like I'd just be laughing and losing my money the whole time. I was gonna say yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be some 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 dollar figures involved with right. in that one with MJ. Great can, can I ask you a question too? Because we're doing stories. Yep. You know, Fan Cave is about stories, but tell me a moment in your childhood or. You know, your dad and pop, you know, pops. And when did you become starstruck as a youth? You're like, dad, I just met this guy or, you know, or, or who influenced you growing up? Like, I want to be like this, this guy. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, it was a ton of guys that. Yeah, you um, can name name a few names. Right. I mean, guys like there's a guy named Daryl Lewis that played safety at Arizona. It was it was guys that my dad was coaching. Just, and I would, you know, my dad would have them over for barbecues when yeah. college coaches were allowed to do that with, right. with guys. But um, there's guys at the Naval Academy, a guy named Jervia Loda, that, um, you know, one day after a game, he like plays tag with me on the field yeah. while he's still in his football uniform. And those are like moments for me that They'll just, you know, stick just, out for just you. stick. And, you know, I remember them. And, um, you know, as far as even when I got into the NFL, a guy that, I was starstruck by in the locker room with them uh, was Michael Vick. Um, yeah. I was on the practice squad with the Eagles. Um, so I was on the practice squad with the Eagles, and I got moved up uh, to the active wa- roster for exactly one game, and it was Michael Vick's first game back in Atlanta. And, and, and yeah, I'll never – What I'll was never, it like catching a ball? How'd you do? Did the ball uh, – did I you get a catch a ball from no, Michael it, Vick? He never threw me the ball. Oh. And <laughs> How about was, a practice ball? I actually um, – my first, because they said the ball when you caught a Michael Vick ball, it was just it I hit caught, your hands I, different. It, it, he dislocated a finger of mine while, yeah, <laughs> uh, a couple of times. But um, yeah, my my first reception in a preseason game was from Michael Vick, actually. And nice. he he threw he could he could sling it. Oh yeah, I mean he could. It's just like a flick another, of the another question. Guy. Yeah, who threw the hardest ball to you? Um, I mean, Mike's definitely Mike. um, the one that would stick out in my mind. Actually, I've caught balls from a lot yeah. of quarterbacks. What was it? Who had <laughs> the best? Who had the best Jake touch? Delhomme. Who had a, like a? Who had that touch? Like, man, that's a nice spiral. And um, did anything? You know, I, I really like Kevin Cobb um, in Philadelphia. Yeah. I really like. Colt McCoy. Yeah, they I threw mean, good. Yeah, they can sling it. There's a lot it. of guys I played I play with. <laughs> was, was it ever tough for you? Because, you know, a ball coming out of a lefty quarterback's hand comes out different, obviously, versus, versus a righty quarterback. Was it was it that a tough transition ever to make, or was it just, you know, throw me a few, few passes, then I'll get, obviously, you know, situated to it? No, that's, that's definitely a tough transition. Um, yeah, there's especially if you haven't seen a left-handed quarterback and right. um, like my time at the combine, I don't think I had ever really caught off a left-handed quarterback. Mm-hmm. And at the combine, all of a sudden I'm like, why did I drop that pass? <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, that dude's left-handed. You came into the league as an undrafted free agent. Um, and of course, every single year, that's probably one of the, you know, after the draft, you, you got that, that next six to 12 hours where all of a sudden all these undraft, the UFAs yeah. are coming out, the signees. Talk to me a little bit about, uh, talk to us and listeners a little bit about uh, your experience there uh, post-draft and, and going into the draft. What were the expectations? Right. Um, it's, I mean, going into the draft for me there in 2009, um, you know, I was hoping to get drafted late in the fifth, fifth sixth round. Um I saw a couple of my teammates, also wide receivers, also sub six foot, also pretty light. Uh, I saw them two guys get drafted in the third round. So I thought that, you know, I'd be coming up here pretty soon. But, um, yeah, you know, you you get kind of disappointed. Maybe even tears start to start to come a little bit. Um, You know, there's a lot of anticipation there. Then all of a sudden your phone rings and it starts to blow up and. Uh, my agent's like, you need to make a decision. You know, you can go to San Francisco, you can go to Cleveland, you can go to San Diego. Um, you know, what do you want to do? Yeah. So, what was the catalyst for that decision? Uh, for me, there was. I, I ended up going to Cleveland, um, and for me, it was solely because 
there was a scout there that I had communicated with more than anywhere else. Was it, was it more comfortability? Like they, they look at that? Basically. Um, but at the, I mean, as I look at it, they drafted two receivers that year. They drafted Brian Rubisky right. and Muhammad Masakoy. And if I was logically thinking about it, like I probably shouldn't go somewhere do you, where they do all, you root, already drafted. Do you root for the undrafted guys? Like oh, the absolutely. Philip Lindsay's, the Shaq Barrett's that, that break through? Absolutely. You guys have a fraternity, don't you? Yeah, Would I you think say so. that? The undrafted so. free agents, man. Because yeah. you, you take the hard road. Yeah, I, and you know, honestly, when I, when I did get to Cleveland, there was a guy there, Josh Cribbs, uh, who was undrafted. Ooh, and he, I he, remember Cribbs. Yeah, yeah. he, he yeah. took everybody under his wing that was undrafted, took us all out to paintball, like um, put us in a limo when we first got there, and and and, and that was incredible. And um, and props to I mean, Josh is one of the best football players I've ever seen in my life too. Um, could basically probably play every single position on the field. Um, if you needed him to, but um, but yeah, he 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 showed me she, he showed me the ropes there early. We're about to wrap up and go into the break for this last segment with Jordan Norwood. But before we go into the break, Jordan, I want to talk to you a little bit about your company, Magic Wellness. Give the audience a little background on it. You can find it on Instagram at Magic Wellness M A J I C Wellness. Give us a little background on what Magic Magic Wellness is and you know your inspiration to start it. Uh, sure. So Magic Wellness is a holistic wellness company that sells uh, primarily zero THC cannabis products uh, or hemp products, I guess is the best word. Um, yeah, I started using a topical hemp product uh, late in my career after I tore my ACL. Uh, my chiropractor handed it to me and it had a big marijuana leaf on it. And I was like, what is this? I can't use it. Um, but yeah, so I, st- I started Magic Wellness a couple years ago, uh, primarily for... Um, that topical product that I used in my career and couldn't really find afterwards. Uh, Magic with a J is because it's an acronym for muscle and joint inflammation cream. It's not just because my name starts with J. Um, (laughs) But uh, but yeah, we've been going at it for a couple years. And um, my background is kind of along with photography and and all that is graphic design. I went to um, school for advertising and graphic design. So I do the you know, the packaging design and, and all that stuff is, is really a lot of fun for me. Before we go into the break, you posted the hats, you know, just recently. Give, give the audience an, uh, a background on the hats and, you know, the details behind, you know, getting those. Because I know they're going to go fast. You mentioned that on your post. Give, give the audience a little background on that. Yeah, so we, we just, we're just starting off to um, start producing some apparel. So just hats. I mean, just basic stuff. But we have some cool uh, pullovers coming out too, um, like kind of rain jacket material this is for windbreakers for magic magic wellness i mean yeah it's just apparel to have gotcha but um but yeah so we're we're gonna start is the apparel lined with cbd it could be (laughs) you can look you can look the hat and find out if you want it's not gonna work for me this time (laughs) well on that note we're gonna take us out to break uh um are we getting one more segment or is it you you said one more that was was good no, th- I said this was the last This was segment. the last segment, I thought. Okay, yeah, I don't want to hold anybody uh, here longer than they need to be, but special thanks to Jordan Norwood. Um, the stories, uh, the the sharing, uh, the insight, Jordan, um, you can't get that anywhere else. We really do appreciate you coming in. The Super Bowl ring, thank you for bringing, uh, bringing your little buddy around with you. Oh, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> My pleasure. And uh, don't go anywhere because we're going to recap the interviews. We're going to talk some NFL draft as well. And um, – you can only find content like this right here on the Fan Cave. 
live Monday nights from 6 to 8 o'clock on milehighsports.com.